0: But good morning, everybody. It's great to see you all here today. Thank you very much for coming out. And uh, it's just lovely, again, to be in God's house with God's people and to worship together, to come around the table. Thank you, Kyle, for, for leading us so meaningfully and thoughtfully today. And now to turn to God's word. And I'm really looking forward to sharing this message with you today. And I hope that it brings encouragement and also challenge to us as we seek to to respond to coming around God's table together. And the theme this morning is developing community. Developing community. And if you have a Bible with you, please turn to, to Luke chapter 14. And we're going to read verses 25 through to 33. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 33. This is the word of God. Now, great multitudes went with him, that is Jesus. And he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000 or else while the other is still a great way off he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise whoever of you does not forsake all that he or she has cannot be my disciple. Amen and and we know that God will add his blessing to that reading from his word. That is a powerful passage of scripture, and what I want to do is start by bringing out a principle from that passage before applying it to the theme this morning: developing community. So Jesus has this large crowd around him, but he's not phased with the numbers. He's not reveling in the popularity. In fact, he's not even interested in the numbers. He was, however, very much interested in their hearts and that is extremely clear whenever we read how Jesus spoke to the people and how he challenged them. He said, anyone who does not carry their cross cannot be my disciple. He then told a story of a builder and a soldier and he did this because He wants to emphasize something. He said that a wise builder will always count the cost of a job before deciding whether or not to start. A wise soldier will always count the cost of battle before he decides whether or not to fight. So Jesus uses these illustrations to emphasize this principle. Before we decide to truly follow him, we should count the cost. Before we decide whether or not we truly follow him, we should count the cost. And what is the cost, folks? What is the cost? Well, the answer to that is found in what Jesus means by take up your cross and follow me. Some people think this phrase refers to the suffering that can come as a result of following Jesus. And that is true. But for me, there there is a word that describes the cost of the cross better than than that. And it's this, commitment. Commitment. Because when we look and we think and we meditate this morning about what Jesus went through and the lead up to and indeed on the cross, it shows his absolute commitment to us. It shows his absolute commitment to us. And so I believe the cost Jesus is asking us to make by taking up our cross and following him is to be absolutely committed to him. Yes, we're not perfect. And yes, we will fail many times. But the desire in our heart that Jesus is looking for today is that hunger to want to give our all and to be absolutely committed to him. And there is a cost to carry Uh, a cost to carry, a cost to count, much to be absolutely committed to in today's theme developing community. And the principle from the builder and the soldier helps us see again that before we decide here today to be absolutely committed to this message, first of all, we need to count the cost. We need to count the cost. One of the, the buzz phrases around church today is this, Developing church in the community, i.e. how can we impact our communities for Jesus? And this is a massive challenge that, that stretches right across the church in our land. Great Britain can no longer be called a Christian country. So the challenge for us is how do we connect with and maintain relevance with the 21st century and people living in this day and age? Is the church happy to just maintain its status quo and keep doing things the way it's always done? Or will it be absolutely committed to counting the cost, raising the bar, in terms of how it develops church in the community? And as a leadership team, we will strategically look over these next months at how we can maximize all the spheres of influence that we have as a church and how we can look to develop new spheres of influence as we seek to impact the community. However... Coupled with developing church in the community has to be developing community in the church. Coupled with developing church in the community has to be developing community in the church. And this is another massive challenge that stretches across the church in this land. How do we get the house in order so that people will want to join? And I want us to think about this with the hope that every one of us will want to take up our cross and count the cost and be absolutely committed to developing community in this church. The need for us to do this is huge. It's huge. Community is a basic human need. Why? Well, community is at the heart of our triune God. Community is at the heart of our triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, all fully God and coexisting in perfect community with each other. And because we're made in the image of God, community is a basic human need. Together is better than being alone. But in society, there's been a major breakdown of community, leaving many people feeling lonely, isolated, vulnerable, like they do not have a place in society, or that they are not free or accepted for who they are. So, if community is a basic human need and there's a severe shortage of it, surely the church should be right at the front of the queue, offering people exactly what they need love, acceptance, purpose, and value. But you know, I, I've worked with hundreds of churches in this province. And in many of them, what I found was battles. People were concerned about arguing and falling out than community. I've been in churches with deep divisions where people don't want to sing old songs or sing new songs, wanting to hang on to what they want instead of what God wants. I've been in churches that are hotbeds of gossip and, and backstabbing. And hey, if they would just take a look, step back and look, at what they're doing, they would see exactly why people don't want to go there. I've spoken to many non-Christian people and I'm convinced of this, folks. The greatest stumbling block to people becoming Christians is the church. The greatest stumbling block to people becoming Christians is the church, which is tragic because we're God's chosen agent to bring his light of the world and because many people in this land think and in the communities around us here think that being a Christian means going to church and church is the last place on earth they want to come to well you can see the the huge challenge that we face but so often instead of churches offering a different and contagious way of community they get absorbed with Internal fighting and schism, ensuring one thing, they can do all the outreach they want, but no one's going to want to join. Now, during our first month as a family in this church, we've observed a lot of really good stuff in terms of people hungry and wanting to seek after God, atmosphere, togetherness, relevance in how we we do our our services here and a great cross-section of age groups. There is a buzz and an expectancy in this church that we have very rarely experienced. It's great. People are excited to come to church. People are excited to be at the prayer meetings and we want to build on that, not maintain it, build on it so that it grows. However, no church is perfect. And before we give ourselves a big pat on the back, there's much to be done. And we need to keep striving for excellence in everything we do everything we do. And our first week here, couldn't help notice the typos and the song words. And someone has already been assigned to to come in and to start to tidy that up, to put proper punctuation in, give capital letters when there's a pronoun relating to God and to do things with excellence. And she's got from A to F, letters A to F, and she's working through it and doing a great job. So bear with us until we get to Z. whatever song starts with Z. (laughs) But we need to strive for excellence in everything we do and therefore strive for excellence in community. So I wonder, are we prepared as a church to truly take up our cross and count the cost of being absolutely committed to making sure community is at the heart of everything we do? because that will be a cost well worth counting. But remember the principle in Jesus's story of the soldier and builder. Before we decide to do this, let's count the cost. So how will this cost of developing community affect us? Well, firstly, the cost of developing community and church will mean that we aim to be the most welcoming church on earth. I wonder what your focus is whenever you come into church on Sundays. But do you know what? See, to develop community, that means that second to God and our worship of him, our major focus is each other. It's each other. And developing a culture where we go out of our way to make people feel welcome. Now, some people can get... uh, can feel uncomfortable with this because some are are more introverted than others. But if we think about it, it should be the most natural and normal thing for us to want to make people feel welcome. And it's not just for the folks who do a great job at the door every week. This is something for all of us to do and lifting this church to a new level of excellence and a new level of welcome means that we all need to be involved. One of the the highlights during the, the London Olympics it was a while ago in 2012, but I'm mentioning it because you'll, you'll remember it because of its impact. One of the highlights in 2012 was the games makers, the welcomers, the people who went around the park just making an atmosphere and just helping people feel welcome. It was one of the highlights. And whenever I see the power and the effectiveness of that, it never ceases to amaze me, house, there's so many churches around this province that can be so unwelcoming and we never want to be a fellowship like that. I've been in churches where I've sat on a pew and had people sit on the same pew but as far away from me as they possibly could. Now, I don't have a body odor problem. I don't think I do anyway. <laughs> but I just find that weird. In fact, Christians are Weird. There's something strange happens to us when we cross over the front door. I, like, I hope those people aren't like that when they're in work the next day or at home or with their friends because it's just weird. What would have hurt those people to actually look up and look around and see here, there's somebody new in church today. And if, even, if they, even if they wanted to stay at the other side of the pew and her over to me, what would it have hurt to say, hi how are you doing? Are you new here today. Brilliant. Great to have you here. What's your name? Oh, brilliant. Nice to meet you, Philip. My name, my normal stuff. It's not beyond any of us. I remember working in a church six, for six weeks when I was at Bible college, part of a, a placement. And, and on my last Sunday, somebody asked me to move because I was sitting on their seat. And I chuckled to myself as well. And Then when I went home, I thought, that is ridiculous. What if I had been someone who was visiting there, crying out for love and acceptance, and it had quite simply been the most courageous thing I had done in my life to cross the threshold of that church? I'll tell you what, I had never have darkened the door of the place again because of some numpty telling me to move off their seat. (laughs) Please do not underestimate the enormous psychological barrier that it is for people to cross the threshold of a church for the first time. It's huge. And in some respects, spiritual too, in terms of the battle. However, we can remember going to a church that we would say has a welcoming culture. Twenty people must have naturally came up to us and welcomed us before and chatted to us after the service. I can't remember the sermon, but I'll never forget how blessed we felt. How the simple things matter. Can I share with you what our experience of welcome has been in this church? I'm not talking about the awesome welcome night that we had here, which was great. But Rachel and I actually came to this church two weeks before it was announced that we were coming so that we could sit here anonymously and and just see how things happen. First week we sat over in this corner, back my left, your right, and I'll tell you this, Karen and Elner, the Grimshaws, the Burroughs, we were royally welcomed. Blessed. The next time we came to church, Rachel is working. She's a midwife over in the Ulster Hospital and babies are born on Sundays so she has to work on Sundays occasionally. And that Sunday I had to get the kids ready and get them out and I'm not great at that. And we managed to get here about 20 seconds before the church service started and we sat down over here in this corner and I breathe a sigh of relief, we're here. And then I said to myself, right, Sunday school, um, crash." But then I found out it was during the summer. There wasn't any Sunday school or creche. So then I thought to myself, oh man, <laughs> I have an hour and a half now with these three head the balls beside me. <laughs> and I started to sweat. And about halfway through the service, Sweat was running down my back because they were restless. And I got a tap on the shoulder from somebody in the back corner, Alan. And with all his loving wisdom, he said, do you know what? It's really lovely to have you and your family here today. (sighs) Brilliant. And do you know what? After the service, Alan and a number of the ladies there didn't just follow up a hello. They actually talked to us they talked to the kids and it was lovely so I would say our experience of welcome in this church has been good but I am sure there are people who have come in here and have left without somebody saying hi no one folks likes or relishes the thought of coming into a place where they don't know anybody nobody likes that so that's why we all need to count the cost That's why we all need to make sure that visitor or a regular member here at the church get a royal welcome every week. Young person, when was the last time you saw an older person in this congregation sitting on their own and you went over to them naturally and said, hi. Older person, when was the last time you saw a younger person in this church and you just naturally had it in your heart to go over to them and say Hi, we all have a part to play in making this church full of life, friendly and vibrant, a place where people find community. I know there are people here who are great and go out of their way to make folk welcome, but I wonder could we do more? This is actually such an important thing that on the day of judgment, no less, Jesus will mention how we welcomed and entertained strangers. Will we count the cost be absolutely committed to developing an even more welcoming culture in this church? Can we aspire to make this the most welcoming place on earth? Because as a leadership team, we certainly hope that will be the case. Secondly, the the cost of developing community and church will mean that we all contribute to the fellowship of this church. To the fellowship of this church. A welcoming culture is a start But the next step is contributing to the fellowship. I preached in a church once. I'll not say which fellowship. But at the end of the service, you know the way people who are preaching do the thing, go to the door and shake hands with folks. I had to walk down the aisle quickly or the people would have been out before me. Now either I had preached a horrible sermon (laughs) Or that's just weird. I constantly think about that and I just, what is that all about? Why are people rushing to get out? Is it in case somebody might talk to them? God forbid. It's strange, but here's the result it's dead. There's no fellowship, there's no sense of community. To have fellowship means we need to have relationship. And we cannot build relationship with each other by just living out point one today, which is saying, hi, how are you? See you next week. That's never going to be enough. It's a start, but it's never going to be enough. We need to go further. And again, this stuff shakes our comfort zones. Can I ask a few questions here? Do you sit in the same seat every week? (laughs) <laughs> Sam Kirk just nodded at me and, and he nodded at me in a way that says and it's not going to change <laughs> and being one of our oldest members Sam that's absolutely fine but I'm actually asking it for a, a reason I'm actually asking why because to help develop fellowship why do we sit in different parts of the church and actually get to know different people I know most will not probably respond to that point, but maybe some will and that will be a good thing. Because if we're serious about this, it's not an awful lot to ask. I remember when my old church, Orangefield, we was going through a building project. We had to meet in a different venue in the Spires Conference Center in town. And I remember the first Sunday, we were all like lost sheep. We're walking into this new venue. Nobody had their regular seat. Nobody knew where to go. But here was the result. I ended up sitting beside people I didn't know. And it was one of the best things that happened to our church. When was the last time you, personalize it, when was the last time you meaningfully talked to someone in this church outside of your close peer group? When was the last time you meaningfully spoke to a visitor in this church? I want us to be challenged by this because at the minute there are visitors coming into this church every week, which is really exciting for us as a fellowship. But we need to make sure we reach out to everyone who comes in here, that no one leaves this place feeling unloved or unwelcomed. I know there are visitors here this morning, so I am encouraging you, look up, look around, and see who's sitting with you, and reach out and engage in fellowship, not just a hello. Cliques are something that we often refer to as young people, but actually all of us have cliques. I don't necessarily have a problem with that because we will naturally connect with some people more than others. But where this can be a problem is when cliques become exclusive and people are left on the outside and no matter what they do, they can't break into that group. We need to guard against that one with everything we have and be an inclusive church that looks out to welcome people into our fellowship. Please, let's count the cost with that one because it's a cost worth counting. Yes, it's lovely to have fun with our friends and important too every week. But what about the person who's shy? What about the person who's broken? What about the person who knows nobody here and needs us to love and reach out to them? Can we take this fellowship forward? Well, how can we do that? In the last few minutes, I just will share a few ideas about how we can do this biblically. How we can drive fellowship forward. Hebrews ten twenty four to 25 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. The first cost is to make sure that we are here every week. To make sure that we're here every week and on top of that we would put that to make sure that we're at the prayer meeting, the most important meeting of the week, every Wednesday night. Now obviously some people work on Sundays, some people are not well, but there's also many times when we cannot be bothered or we feel tired. That's when we need to count the cost. And not give up the habit of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but be here to worship God, to fellowship with each other because there's no one like you. And when you're not here, this church is missing something precious and special and unique. And it's you. Often when I have sat, been lying in bed thinking, oh, I couldn't be bothered going today. Don't be worried. I haven't thought that in the first month of being here. It's a and time's gone past when I have resolved in my heart to get up and to go out to church those have been special days because I'm not convinced it's just our laziness I think there's a spiritual battle where the devil doesn't want us to come out and the fellowship with each other Jesus died on a cross to give us the privilege of meeting together as church first step to driving fellowship forward is be here second step when we're here is we should do everything we can to build each other up and develop and deepen our unity. Now, not just within our close friendship circles, but to develop unity across the age ranges. Psalm 133, why should we do it? Well, Psalm 133 says how good and blessed it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It goes on to say this, for there the Lord commands a blessing, promise, a promise. Matthew 18, verse 20, where two or three gather in my name, there I am. God blesses unity because it's at the heart of who he is as Trinity. However, we cannot have authentic unity if we do not fellowship with each other. So we're encouraging everyone to take the opportunities on Sundays and Wednesdays to to hang out after the services as a good number of people already do, but stay and fellowship and enjoy good company. Maybe some people have to head on quickly today and that's okay. But intentionally, can we plan to be here tonight? David, embarrassed making an announcement about his induction service. I'm not embarrassed to say this. Let's come together as a team tonight. Let's make a point of being here. Let's invite friends and come together and celebrate, first of all, God as we worship him because that's the key, most important thing. But let's get alongside these two precious people and show them that we love them, that we're excited about them, that we're, we're behind them and we're with them as they step into this new phase of ministry. That's the first determination we can make today in our hearts. Be here tonight. We need to organize babysitters. That's okay. Let's go and do it. That's not difficult sometimes. Be here tonight. Intentionally come to the Wednesday night prayer meeting. Genuinely, I can't wait for Wednesday nights because the prayer meetings are incredible. The hunger, the passion people have, crying out to God for this church, the community in each of our lives. Amazing. Intentionally be here on Wednesday night. Come here on Sundays, but hang about afterwards. Take up the cross, count the cost, make every effort the Bible says to to, uh, keep the unity of the spirit. Make every effort. How amazing would it be if every Sunday we had different age groups looking beyond their friendship circles to fellowship with each other. The third and final way we can biblically take fellowship forward in this church is by doing so outside of Sunday services and Wednesday prayer meetings. Acts 2, 46 to 47, tells us how the early church did it. It says, every day they continued to meet together in temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all people. Whoa, here's how the early church did it. They not only met together and fellowshiped inside the context of church services, they met together in their homes ate together, worshiped together and had real authentic community. And what was the result? Verse 47, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Why? Because real community is contagious. And this community starved world are longing for it. Do we want to develop community in this church that is exciting, vibrant, contagious, a place people want to come to? Well, then let's count the cost. Be absolutely committed to fellowship in this church. How amazing would it be if we looked beyond our friendship circles and invited people into our homes to eat together, to fellowship together, to worship together, to enjoy hospitality? It's a great gift. It would be incredible also going to mention today, but there's no time, the absolute commitment to serving God in this church. But we will come back to all of this stuff because Phil, Davey, and I want to agree with Session, the key important cultures that are to be developed in this church. Culture is everything, folks. We can have all the vision in the world, but if the culture's not right, we may forget about the vision. Phil quoted somebody to me during the week and he he said this, culture eats vision for breakfast and that's true. It's true. So we will revisit the culture of community and other cultures because it has to be at the heart of what we do. Jesus said, anyone who does not take up their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Part of carrying the cross is to be absolutely committed to him, to God, and committed to developing community here. Whilst we need to develop church in the community, we also need to develop community in the church to keep striving to improve on all the great things in this church, to make sure the house is in order with a contagious sense of community. But for this to happen, everyone has to count the cost. Be absolutely committed by helping develop a welcoming culture and playing part a part in developing fellowship in this church by being here on Sundays, being here on Wednesday nights, going beyond the high, how are you welcome, to fellowship with each other and doing it not in our close peer groups, but also those who we don't know, and also outside the context of Sunday services. Do you know, folks? I'll finish with this. If we could all step up and desire to build in the great things in this church, take up our cross and count the cost of being a church as rich and welcome in welcoming fellowship, empowering that with prayer. We can't emphasize this enough. God is blessing this church and we firmly believe it's because of the prayers of God's people that are going up. Please come out on Wednesday night and join with us and build the volume of prayer that we're offering up to God. But if we can build a church that's rich in welcome and fellowship and powering that with prayer, we'll see God do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask or imagine. We will see this church grow because the starved community All around us want what we have and want what we can give. It's a basic human need. And if we have it fueled with the power of prayer, it'll be contagious. Will we take up our cross and play our part, folks? If you're visiting today and not part of a church, is this the sort of a place that you would love to be part of? Because if it is, we'd love to welcome you into the fellowship of this church. Amen. God bless those thoughts around his word and the team are going to come up and lead us in some worship. God bless you all.